Good morning. It's great to be here with you guys. Um, you know, uh, let me say welcome to those online. Yep. I really feel like the Lord is moving. He's doing all kinds of things today. So this is, this is cool. This is cool. But I always like to start with prayer. So even before I begin to talk to you, what I'm going to do is ask you to bow your heads with me. And I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit, which is God's presence, to come even more. Father God, I thank you. I thank you, Father, that you say with expectation in you, Lord, is always met. And so, Holy Spirit, I ask that you would come and that you would fill every nook and cranny of this room. Father, I'm well aware that many have come and they're burdensome. And, uh, yeah, they come with just a truckload of, of heavy things, Lord, that are weighing on their mind. And so, Holy Spirit, I ask that you would help them to be able to pick those up and to hand those to you, Lord, so that they might be able to sit and receive what you have for them. Father God, I thank you that you are a live God. You're one that interacts with us all the time. And so, Holy Spirit, just come now and fill up this auditorium. Come and touch the people that are watching online, that they might be able to, uh, to sense you, Lord, and that they would feel that the things they need to hear, Lord God, that you have answered their angst. I thank you, Lord, that you are in front of us, that you're behind us, that you hem us in. Now I give you this time. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, guys. Well, this, this time of year is my favorite. <laughs> I love how all the leaves are you know, beginning to change and the coolness of the weather is coming in. I love all that stuff. It's fun, especially not to mention I get to watch football 24-7 now, right? Although I am playing fantasy again this year. I took a little respite from it. got a little, you know, hanky for me there. But I'm not doing that well, which is sad. So if you have any advice, yes, I will listen, <laughs> right? So we're, we're enjoying the weather, though, and the change of, of the seasons and things like that. And I'm looking forward to the holiday time coming in also. Now, <clears throat> we just completed a series that we did. This is You Asked For It, right? And that's where we took all of you guys' ideas on things you wanted to hear about, and we actually taught on them, right? And so we had great fun. It was interesting seeing all the different uh, comments and things that came in. And also, we helped some people step over the line and accept Christ, uh, which is always an exciting thing to see, right? Yes, amen. So now here you go. We are getting ready to switch gears here right? And I want to talk to you about something a little bit different. I want to talk to you uh, in a series. It's only a three-week series, but I want to talk to you about investing your life. What does that exactly look like, right? And so we want to drill down on that. And the, the direction I'm going to go in is I want to look at um, why you exist, why we exist here, which uh, our mission here is to be a contemporary extension of the good news of Jesus Christ to the community, right, to the world, and to help people like you and me, ordinary people, find the calling or the purpose of our lives. And so in that mission statement that I just uh, rattled off to you, what I want you to see is there's a part that talks about you. It talks about you helping you to find and fulfill your call in life, but I want you to also notice that it's about people that aren't even here, that are far from God, that don't even know God, right? And stuff. And so that is the mission that we're about. I believe that's the call that God has on this church. And for those of you that consider this your church home, that's part of now your, uh, your commissioning. That's the thing that God has, has also placed on your heart, right? And so I want to bring that to you uh, to kind of get you to, to recognize you know, that God does indeed have an assignment for us. He wants us to use our sphere of influence to help influence people all around us. And so with the holidays now coming in, right, there'll be plenty of times for you to invite people to all kinds of fun things like the movie series coming up, right? So be looking and be asking the Father, you know, how can we exactly, Lord, jump in with you? Because I think that's what he has. Well, one more thing I wanted to tell you about before I jumped into the message today was for you to mark your calendars by some, an important event that I want to make sure that you're aware of. Legacy Sunday. Woohoo, yeah, right? It's a tradition we have at this church, and it's the first of the December that first Sunday that we do that. And what that is, is where we do ministry all year long, right? But it's almost like we get turbocharged with the holidays coming in. It seems like people are, are more generous during that time. And, you know, we just kind of catch the wave that's going on. But what we do is we purposely 
set a, a Sunday once a year, and it's in December, where we do a special offering, right? And all 100% of that offering goes to our legacy projects, right? And so Pastor Andy and Pastor Debbie will tell you more about that in the coming weeks and then as that approaches. But you, I want you to mark it on your calendar because it's a significant time for us. We believe, I believe, that generosity, listen to this, that generosity is very, very powerful. You see, when we sent money last year, we, we made, uh, let's see, how much, $157,000? right? And yay is right. And we sent it down to the different projects that they are working on. And I tell you what, it impacts people, not just because you're meeting physical needs, but because they're beginning to awake and go, whoa, those Christians, <laughs> right? Those Christians, uh, they care about us. They, they know who we are, right? And so, so it speaks loudly. Generosity always, always does. So anyway, mark yourself on your calendar so you can be praying about this. We do not give out a compulsion, but out of generosity. We, we see what is God calling us to do, and then we all come together on a specific day and we do it, okay? So that's what we've got going on there. Now, let me jump into my message. And this is the best investment for your, of your life. And I want to talk to you about thinking right, which feeds into doing right, right? Thinking right, which helps us to be able to do right. And in this series, I'm going to look at the first part, think, right? Because I believe that the scriptures tell me so a man or a woman thinks, so they are right? And so however your thinking is, is the behaviors that you engage in. And so we need, to, we need to recognize that so that we can take charge of that and we can understand that. You see, most of us that grew up in this American culture, our values and ideas, they all come from the culture around us, what we, you know, what we watch on TV, what we encounter in the stores, right? This is our culture, and so we tend to want to live that out, right, out of our culture. But that's not the way God intended because that's, that is not a culture that God has led, right? And so he wants us to learn a new way. Matter of fact, the apostle Paul, he, uh, he commends us with this scripture where he says here, do not conform to the pattern of this world. Conform means I'm not going to be just like and hold the values that the world has, right? Outside these doors, right? But he's telling me be transformed transformed by the renewing of my heart? No, mind. So my mind needs to be transformed. Well, how do we do that? How do we transform our mind? By reading the Word of God. That's why we're always on it about reading the Word of God. That's where we get transformed. That's where we get renewed in our thinking. And as we get renewed in our thinking, it gives us the ability than to choose to behave differently than we are patterned to behave. Does that make sense? Sure it does, sure it does. You know, a couple of uh, Saturdays ago, I was with a group of people, and I was with my sidekick, Pastor Andy, right? I love being with him. You never know what's going to happen, right? And so we're in this group, and uh, we were talking. We decided to all tell about our salvation story. Now, uh, and so when they were going around telling it, well, Pastor Andy's turn came, and I, I just love this. I was like, okay, let me watch the people, right? So he starts talking about how he encountered Jesus Christ and how he was lost and then, you know, found Christ, gave his life to Christ, and then he did that with his brother, and then he, you know, then he said to his brother, what do we do now? His brother goes, we get high, of course, <laughs> right? And so he just fell into celebration like he'd always done all his life, right? And I watched how people nervously laughed at the table like, <laughs> ooh, right? What kind of pastor is this? Hey, it's a pastor. It's a person that knows that each and every one of us is appointed to make a decision for Jesus Christ. That there's a line in the sand, and you can't just hear about him. You have to decide to choose to, to accept him as your Savior. And that's called stepping over that line to do that, right? But here you go. Once we step over the line to do that, because that's a, a, you know, that's a choice we make, well, then there's, behind that is, okay, now come close so that I can transform your thinking. No longer getting high is the way you want to go here, right? And stuff. And so we need to recognize that, that there's this, um, you know, uh, the, the ability to be transformed in your thinking. We are going to change the way we are acting, right, as we encounter the living God. So uh, this series that I wanted to do with you, I have a key 
a key verse I want to pull out, and for the next couple weeks, we're going to look at this verse, and we're going to talk about it. Well, today, I'm going to read it to you. It's in 1 Timothy 6. It's a little long, but it's really good. Watch this. It says, command, which is just tell people, right? Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant and not to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, amen, so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Now here comes another one. Command, it means tell the people again. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to uh, be generous and willing to share, and it goes on here. In this way, when we practice those things, right, in those way, we lay up treasures for ourselves uh, as a firm foundation, kind of like this stage has a foundation to it, and I can stand on it, right? So he says when we practice good deeds, when we practice sharing and generosity, we're actually building a foundation for the coming age. Well, what does that mean? That means in eternity. You see, each and every one of us is appointed to live maybe, maybe 80, 90, 100 years. That's about it, right? And then we go. And so what happens to our body? What happens to us? Well, we go on existing into eternity. And that's what that's getting at. So we're building up our treasures for eternity is what that is getting at. And then it says, so that they may take hold. He's talking to you and I. Why do we need to know this if it's not going to happen till later up there, right? Because we need to take hold of the life that is truly life. And so Apostle Paul is telling us, make sure, you guys, you don't, you don't mess up here right? You only get one life. And you see, many people are so busy living their life. It's like uh, their ladder of success that they're climbing, only they got it on the wrong dang wall, right? And so Apostle Paul's telling us, hey, make sure you got it on the right wall. It's leaning in the right direction. Matter of fact, he says, beware of two things. And I pointed to them when I was reading. Don't be arrogant about your richness right, and wealth, and don't have wrong thinking about the richness. And so what he's saying is that you and I have these two tendencies, right? We have these two things that we kind of gravitate towards, and he said, hey, let's be careful with that. Let's be careful with that. Now, just as soon as I said that, right, I know that if I were to come down and sit and talk to you, right, that the majority of you, if I asked you, do you think you're, you're rich? You'd go, oh, heck no, <laughs> right? I'm not rich, no, no, not at all, right? And so that's our mindset, that we don't. Yet the scripture is saying that we need to be rich in other things, not just monetarily, right, but rich in our deeds and what we do. And so this is important to align our mind up with the word of God. Very important. We're laying our foundation, right? And here you go. Do I think is this important? Yes, because the statistics are showing me that in America, most people that the more they earn, the less they give. What's that about? The more income they have, the less generous they are, right? Well, here we go. I happen to think the answer is for that, that, that uh, statistic is because they just don't understand. They don't understand, right? They, their thinking is off a little bit. Because if they really understood some things, then they wouldn't behave like that. And so I want us to explore why rich people aren't good at being rich, okay? And so let's look at that first one, right? Why are rich people not good at being rich? Well, they don't like to admit that they are rich. Really? Yes. Right? Tall people are like, yeah, I'm tall. Right? Athletic people, yeah, I'm athletic. But, you know, rich people, are, they don't like to, hey, I'm rich, they really don't do it that way, right? They don't like to admit that. And here you go. I think they don't like to admit that because they don't recognize that they actually are rich, right? They don't recognize that they actually are rich. Listen again. They don't recognize the fact that they actually are rich. Whoa, Sharon. You know, a Gallup poll I was reading was so fascinating, so fascinating. In a Gallup poll, they do the surveys, right? They ask people, well, how much do you have to make to be considered rich, right? And they asked some suburban people or whatever, and they said, oh, about 150000 a household income, right? Some of you are going, yeah, that's rich. And other you are going, well, that's not, right? Here you go. But that's what it came. And then when they asked the people that were profiling to have actually had that level of income, do you feel like you're rich? They said, no. Interesting now. They went to the households that had, you know, that were more from 30000 to 35000 in the household income. Okay, that's two, 
people in a household, right? And ask them, you know, what would you consider rich? And they go, oh, about 75000 right? Those people making 75000 they are rich. Now, the, the, here you go. Now listen to this. Then the pollsters decided to go and talk to people that are in the money market business, right? They, they adhere to the, the, adverti- you know, the, um, the magazines and they do all the, the uh, you know, investing and stuff like that. And they ask them, well, what do you consider with assets and income to be somebody who's rich? And they go, oh, about $5 million. I'm thinking, that's stinking rich, you know? <laughs> that's really rich, right? So here you go. So here's the bottom line I learned. Nobody thinks they're rich. Nobody thinks they're rich, right? Nobody does, but everybody knows somebody that is. You're rich, but I'm not rich. I'm middle class, right? And so you have this thought that goes on where people don't think that they're rich. But here you go, listen to this. Listen to this. If you indeed make over 30 between 30 and 35,000 a year, do you realize you are at the top 1% of the world's income? Holy camoly, really? Yes, you are. You're at the top. If you make just 30,000 to 35,000, you're at the top 1% of wage earners in the world. You're like, whoa, I came to church, found out I was rich. Isn't that cool, right? Here's the point, guys. The point is, that we have so much, we have so much, we are rich. And I know I can hear your thoughts where you're going, but I don't feel rich, Sharon, right? I'm struggling, I mean, inflation is so darn high. I I can't even barely get the gas and the food on the table, right? And we have this scarcity mentality, yet the word of God is true no matter what the economy is doing. And so what we need to see is that God says, no, my friends, you are rich. I have given you so much. You see, that is the message that Christ is wanting us to understand. And the first part of being able to understand that we are rich is to understand who we are in Christ. You see, when Jesus says this to us, he says, you know the generous grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Though he was rich, He was a God. He was God's son, right? He was rich. Yet for your sake and my sake, he became poor so that by his poverty, watch this, by his poverty, you were made rich. And so you see, I can stand on this stage and tell you, everybody in this audience, you are rich if you have Jesus Christ. I don't care what your income is. We are a rich people, right? We have so much that God has given us. And I know we can get sidetracked with all this stuff, but God wants us to know that we're rich, that he's blessed us this way. But it's not so you can go, I'm fat and happy. It's so you can make a difference. Listen, he gives you richness so that you can make a difference, that you can make a difference with the one and only life that he has given you. And he is tapping on that you are to be a generous people like he is generous, right? And so he's calling us to do that. Now, remember I told you that some of you said, I don't feel like I'm rich? Well, let me show you something. Here's why. Rich people, they are plagued with discontentment. Whoa! That means me too. Me too. For I am rich and I get discontented, right? And so this discontentment is is the idea that we have to have stuff and more stuff, right? And newer stuff, (laughs) you know? And we just have this appetite that just gets built, right, inside, and we just want more and more stuff. And you know the interesting thing about this appetite that wants more? You think once it gets it, it would be filled and be done? Oh, no. It just kind of enlarges it, right? Ooh, I'm stepping on toes. It enlarges it. We want more stuff, right? Now, I know the Bible talks to this, right? It talks to us. It says to us in Ecclesiastes, those who love money, right, the stuff, will never have enough. That's that appetite I was telling you about. How meaningless it is, how meaningless to think that wealth brings true happiness. Now, I love to talk to people. I love people. I love to talk to them. I love to engage to them. And it breaks my heart, especially with my younger generation, when I hear them saying, well, once I've arrived at $100,000, I'll be good. Or $200,000, Sharon. Once I get this set, right? 
And so their success is all, all around monetary, yet this is not what brings true happiness. It's not. This is a lie. The more you have, the more people, I mean, the more you have, the more people come to help you spend it. I love that. I think about the lottery. <laughs> when that happens, you get those on the TV, when the people get the money and then relatives they never had. Neighbors they never knew came and asked, right? That's what I think about with this one. So what good is wealth except perhaps to watch it slip through your fingers? People who work hard sleep well. I like this. Whether they eat little or much, whether you have a lot or little, but watch this. But the rich, speaking to us again, but the rich seldom get a good night's sleep. Why? Because of all the stuff we have, we're worried about. We got to insure it. We got to put it in the garage, make sure it's good, right? Or, or we just... And we got to maintain it. So we're constantly thinking about our stuff and we can never be at peace. And that's what that is talking about. And so we need to be able to handle the discontentment in our soul, right? I called it the plague, but it is. It's like a disease of the soul. And so as rich people, we need to be careful. And I'm talking and I'm preaching to me just as much as I am you guys. I already went Christmas shopping. I know. Andy goes, Really? It's not even, not even Halloween. I'm like, yeah, but it's a good sale, right? <laughs> hey, listen, stuff, stuff. I told you I'm preaching to you as well as myself, right? The truth is the soul can be discontented, and it can, it can actually fester up and, and feed on that. It's that tendency that we have to keep at bay all the time, right? Now, here's the other side of the, uh, for rich people, they want to continue to grow, Right? is that they also put their sense of security, right, inside their wealth. They live with a false sense of security is how I put it. Now, why do they live with a false sense of security? Because they see their, their wealth not as a blessing that God gives them, but actually as bricks to be able to build up a portfolio that would protect them from the inevitabilities of hard life crashing in on them. Isn't that what our culture says? Come on, guys, it is, right? It is what it says. What I just said, that somehow if we build up wealth, right, that somehow we can keep the, the difficulties of life from just coming into us, you know, that we can be, like, uh, protected. This is not true. This is a lie. Matter of fact, it says here in Proverbs, the wealth of the rich is the, it's like a fortified city, right? It's the city they're building, right? And they imagine it has walls too high to scale. So there's this false sense of security that says, if I have a great enough portfolio, if I have enough in my, you know, 401k, enough retirement, if, 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 brick, 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 I'm going to protect myself. I'm secure here from life's difficulties. Guys, that's what I'm speaking against and it's not that I don't believe in retirement because I have it. It's not that I don't believe in savings because I have that. But I believe there's a balance. There's a balance that we need to achieve, right? And so I'm, uh, what I am saying is that when we put our hope, like somehow we can raise our portfolio so life can't, you know, we can be insulated, that is a lie from the enemy. That's not why God gave us riches. That's not why God made us wealthy, Right? He didn't do that. Instead, he gave you these things. Why? Because he wants you to make a difference with your one and only life. That's why, right? And so he's giving you all these things because he wants to see, stepping back, he's going, what are you going to do with it, right? And I'll tell you the truth. We can't even get to the do part until we start to talk about the thinking part, until I line my mind up with Christ, right? Until I begin to realize I am rich in him. He has given me so much right? And when I start to realize that and line my mind up, and then when I begin to take responsibility for the condition of my soul as a rich person, that it gets discontented easy. It wants more and more, right? How can I deal with it that I don't recognize it? You have to recognize it. And then if I realize that the money and the wealth and the things that God gives us, they are not where my security lies, they're not where my security, that's why I can give it away, because that's not where security lies. And I know I'm in, I, I felt it this morning when I was praying. I felt it when I, when I was praying and I was talking to the Lord. I like, Lord, I feel like, I feel like 
I'm going into a dark cave and you got me by the, a rope and you're dropping me in. And it's for all of you that this message is. This message is a light for those of you that are lost in this economy and thinking that God is limited by what's happening out there in the world. He is not. He is not. And you need to know this. This is something you need to grab hold of and understand. You are a child of the God Most High. A child, his child. And he would bestow everything that you possibly could need. And so this message, this message that I'm talking about is one that's delivered to you so that it would become a light unto your feet, a way to walk out of the dark places that you find yourself today. So, if we allow our mind to be transformed, what happens? Well, this that next part here, we're going to start talking about the doing, right? We can do right. When our mind is thinking right, we can actually do right. We can be grateful. You see, you can walk around with a, a spirit of gratitude, right? Instead of looking at all the harsh things, you can be grateful. You can begin to recognize God's hand in places, right? You, you begin to recognize like, oh gosh, you allowed me to be born here. I'm going to tell you, when I do mix, you know, missions, I'm like, thank God I wasn't there, <clears throat> right? Just to get a, a glass of water is a huge deal. And yet God bestowed favor on me by allowing me to be born here, but it comes with responsibility. He allowed me to be here in Virginia, in Hampton Roads, but it came with responsibility. He allowed me to be in this church, but it came with responsibility. You see, he's given me all these gifts, and I recognize it. Now, I can stand up here and tell you that Andy and I started this church over 30 years ago, but here you go. We didn't do a dang thing. We did not do anything. I want that message clear and loud that you hear this, right? God had already ordained that there would be a work here in Hampton Roads that would go out to make a difference in the lives of men and women all around them. God already decided all that, right? He already decided where we'd be, who would come here, and he's made all those decisions. And then, guys, I think, he goes, hmm, who's not going to mess that up? Oh, there's Sharon. <laughs> She'll follow my lead, right? So I'm going to let her come in here. And I can't tell you enough, my heart, when I left my profession to follow Jesus, I, I can't tell you, I'm so grateful that, that God called me out of the grandstands of my own life to come down to the field and to play with him. He suited me up. He wanted me to play with him. Do you think I have a grateful heart? Well, you better believe I do. You see, I know it has nothing to do with me and everything to do with him and the fact that he bestowed that upon me. Do you see that? This is a grateful heart. And I'll tell you, in Scripture, we see the hearts of those that are grateful also. King David, I love him. He was called a man after God's own heart, right? And uh, God actually uh, allowed him to give towards the temple being, being uh, erected there, being built. He said that he had too much blood on his hands because he was a warring king, so he couldn't build it. But, you know, that didn't diminish David. David knew that that's what he wanted to do. So he led the people in giving from his own personal finances. He led the people in giving. It inspired the people, right? And it inspired them, and they began to give. And because their generosity, because of those people that, that, that were so generous to build this, you know, tabernacle there, right? Then God was able to descend upon it. This is the lineage that you and I have through Jesus Christ, that's the impact of their generosity, of David's. Now watch this, because David gave, I think it's like 110 uh, tons of gold, right? He gave it all. He gave everything he had for the temple of the Lord. Now look at this with me. I think it's remarkable. It speaks to his heart. It says, David praised the Lord in the presence of the whole assembly, saying, Praise be to you, Lord. Yours, Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the majesty and the splendor for everything in heaven and in earth is yours. I love the way the fact he sees, I gave that gold, but it wasn't me. You gave it to me and now I give it here, right? So he got it. He got it. He knew where it all came from. And then it continues on. Yours, Lord, is the kingdom. You are exalted as head over all. Wealth and honor come from you. 
So he knew his kingship. He knew his richness. He knew it, and all of it came from Father God, and he knew that, and he states it here. You are the ruler of all things. In your hands, and this is where we got to realize in our culture today, it's in your hands, God, our strength and power to exalt and to give strength to all. You see, the focus of where we're at really does matter. It matters. And when you begin to realize, like I do, when you begin to realize that you were like gone astray and that you were blind and that Jesus Christ came to set you free, to open up your eyes so that you might see what reality is, oh my gosh, this is a game changer. It's a, you're just, I don't know, I don't even have words. You're just so thankful. You begin to understand the richness by which you walk when you begin to understand the salvation that Christ has given us. Here you go. So this is how I live my life, and I encourage you to do this. That gratitude makes me more generous. You see, when I realize all that God has done for me, I'm generous. I want to give it away, right? Here you go. Here's how it works in practical terms. God, you're so patient with me. I'm, I'm ADHD, and I'm everywhere, God, and I can hardly stay focused, right? And my mouth speaks sometimes before my head works, Right? And then when he puts me with the people, and the people speak too much, and the people make mistakes, and the people say things they ought not say, or they do things they ought not do, right? I got this little thing that says, but you forgave me so much. How could I not forgive you? How could I not choose to work with you? Do you see that? It's the gratitude of your heart. Now, am I perfect? Oh, heck no. Ask any of my children, right? They'll tell you a list. I am not perfect, but I am so grateful. You see a grateful woman up here, right? I know what my God has done, and gratitude leads me, and that's why I'm generous with everything. Everything. Everything's on the table for God, right? Here we go. Here's the next thing we can do. I will lead with generosity. I will lead with generosity. Well, what does that mean, Sharon? Well, the hardest person to lead is yourself. That's the hardest person to lead is yourself. Once you start to be able to lead yourself, other people are good, (laughs) right? It's leading yourself. And so we need to know that what God is asking of us is to not let our giving and our, our spending get out of control, right? That we are to be givers like our Lord Jesus Christ was, right? That we are to give, but we also over here, God has richly blessed us. This is the paradox that exists, that he has richly blessed us and he has given us. And so there's a balance. And I wish I could tell you what the balance is, but he's made it unique. So each and every one of you got to figure it out for yourself. Figure out that, that balance, right? But that's what God is asking you to figure it out. What does it need to look like? We are to be generous people. And we live in the paradox of having all this given to us we're rich. So how do, we, how do we behave? You know, will we hoard it all to ourselves or will we give it, right? Will we give it? Matter of fact, I was thinking about this. I think this is why God sometimes gives us principles to work with, right? Like there's this principle in the Bible that talks about tithing. Tithing, for those of you that don't know, is a principle that in the Old Testament they talk about it, in the New Testament uh, they address it, but it's this idea of whatever you give me, God, whatever I make, I give 10% back to you, right? Now that's an adjust, a bottom line, right? And stuff, and I give it uh, to you to be used in the house of the Lord, right, for your purpose. Now that's a principle that exists, but let me tell you, 10%, let me correct you guys, it is not a tie, it's not a, a, a tax, right? Like, it's not God's tax. Like, I'm going to tax these people 10%, right? And so, like, it's not supposed to be, you know, used to figure out, well, it's a tax. I got to figure out this. So, do I take my retirement out first? Do I net, gross? Like, you know, trying to figure out how to, how to work it so that you don't have to pay your tax. Guys, the tithe, here very clearly, The tithe that we bring into the storehouse of the Lord for his purposes, it's all about first. It's all about first. God says bring the first 10%. Why? Because it's all about first. He's saying put me first in your life and in your finances. No, that's just like, right? It's all about will you choose to put him first? And so I'm talking to you guys, and I'm talking to you from my heart. And here's why. 
Because not one Saturday goes by that you don't find me here a Saturday morning interceding and praying and praying for each and every one of you, praying for your prayer requests, praying that our church, our church would become a church of generosity, that we would become a people uh, that would be able to make changes, right, in the culture around us, that we would be uh, uh, like a city on a lighthouse, you know, that we would go high and that we draw all people on. And I sit and I pour out my heart before the Lord, right? It's not pretty because most days I'm crying, right? It's not just little tears like a snot, this is horrible. It's so horrible. I'm like, God, really? But you know when God impresses on your heart? I don't know about you. I can't do anything else. I got to go there. I got to be where he's at. And he is here. And he is on top of you guys. He loves you. He cares about you. That's why he's lowering me down into the well and saying, give them light, Sharon. They're losing their way, Sharon. They're looking at the economy, Sharon. Remind them how rich they are. Remind them that I've got something better for them. And so this generosity, God is really calling to us about being able to understand that, right? Now, why is God so keen on that? Well, I believe this scripture shows us why. For where your treasures are, the things you count really important, it says there your heart will be. And so we know from scripture that we can't serve, you know, manna, which is the things, the stuff and money and serve God because our heart gets divided, and we can't do that. And so God knows that. And so here you go. He knows that principle, and so he's trying to educate us and tell us, my people whom I love, come, come and follow me, right? And this is what he's saying to you and I, and he's saying, walk away. You see, it's not that he's afraid of you becoming a Satanist. It's Halloween and fellowship there, right? Uh, he's not afraid of the Halloween thing or the Satanist. He's afraid that he wars for your soul over your stuff, your house, your cars, your income, the type of vacations you have. Here you go. Now let me blow your mind. He gave you all of that. And he's okay with you using it to help yourself. That's not the point here. It's not about guilt. It's about recognizing that there's balance. And one needs to find the balance and if you balance too heavily on taking care of yourself and pulling it in to hoard, what happens is your heart goes there and it moves away from God. And see, that's what God doesn't want to happen. And so we need to ask ourselves, how much do we have to have? You know, where is our heart in this, in this time and in this place? We have to be ruthless with ourselves to ask these. It's calling the audible in your life. You just gotta, you gotta do it. You got to do. You got to call that audible. And here you go. When we become generous, look what it says here in Acts 20. You're not likely to go wrong here if you keep remembering, right? Thinking again. Keep remembering that our master, which is Jesus Christ, said, you're far happier giving it away than getting it. Do you see that? And so again, enacting this, this idea, of, this concept of being generous, here's a principle I want you to live your life through, I try to conform mine to, and it's generosity leads, heart follows, right? I don't ask myself. I say, you know, I know I'm to be generous. I know I got all the numbers. I know what I'm doing. I'm like, okay, God, ooh, my spending is getting more than my giving. And so I have to constantly modulate it myself. So why would I think you're any different? I don't. I don't. It's something that we need to be uh, thinking about, and we need to we need to understand that it's there and, and, and be able to, to talk to it, right? To manage it, to be a good steward. And later on in this series, I'll talk to you about practical ways to steward things. But we need to understand that it starts with your thinking, how you're thinking. Behavior just follows what your thoughts are, right? And here you go. This uh, last one here to do right, I will put my hope in God. So you're going to do the lean into. You're going to lean into the hope that's in Christ, right? You've got, to, you've got to lean in because the tendency is to build that fortress, right? To think that we can insulate ourselves. But you see, the only hope that we need to have is in the Lord Jesus Christ. That's where our gaze should be at all times. It shouldn't be on our finances or the stuff of life, right? It should be directed towards the Lord. Now, I love this scripture I'm gonna show you. Watch how it begins. It says, Keep falsehoods and lies far from me. 
right? I believe that the culture that we live in has so many lies and falsehoods, and they come at us at such a fast rate. It just is like you're being brainwashed all the time, right? And so this scripture right here in Proverbs is saying, hey, it's not just in 2022 here. This thing's been going on since the beginning of time, and God says, nope, falsehoods and lies, you need to recognize them. It says, give me neither, this is what the psalmist is saying, give me neither poverty nor riches. Balance, balance here. But give me only my daily bread. See, that's the key here. Each and every one of us is appointed to stand before the Lord and to give an account on how we spent our life, right? And I can guarantee you, you're not gonna get before the Lord and go, gosh, I just wish I had one more day in the office. That's not gonna happen. But you can be found wanting where you look and you go, wow, my ladder of success on the wrong dang wall, Lord, right? See, you and I are designed to make a difference in life, and we need to go after that. We need to go after that, and we need to get our daily bread. It says, otherwise, this is what the psalmist says, I have too much, and I will disown you. (sighs) If we get too comfortable in our riches, we will disown the Lord, this is a human nature thing. This is what happens to people that are rich. I tell you, the hardest hearts I find to receive Jesus Christ as their Savior are those people that have a lot of stuff, right? And so the psalmist says, beware of that because we don't want to disown you. And we, want, we don't want to say, who are you, Lord, right? Or I may become poor. We don't want that either. And steal and so dishonor your name, Oh my God. And so there's this balance again that we each and every one of us have to find. We have to find this this balance that God has for us. And so what I'm wanting to do today is I'm wanting to encourage you to continue to look for the balance, to know that this word is a lamp unto your feet, that you are to use it so that you can come out of the places of darkness, out of the compulsion to be in a scarcity mentality. Scarcity mentality is there's only a little piece of pie and I better get the piece I want fast, right? No, no, no. God owns it all. He owns a thousand cattle on a thousand hills. And you know what? You are a co-heir with him, so he's going to give them to you, okay? He's going to give them to you. So why don't I have them now? Because he knows you won't be able to use them right now, right? And so you need to go and ask the Father, say, what's the balance? You give, and I give away. You give me, and I give away. I'm generous, right? Well, let's try this. I give away, and then I look to get from you. What, what did you just do? Father, I, I'm going to give this away. Here. That's what we did in this building. We gave it away. When we wanted to renovate this building, we gave away money that we were going to use to build here, I mean to renovate, we gave it to the church down in Mexico to build a, a little community center. Why? Because that's what God does. He says, give it away. And then I went back and said, okay. I gave it away. What now? He goes, oh, here you go, Sharon. I'm going to give you what you need. Right? That's the way God works. He wants us to know that we can be free to be generous with people because you serve a generous God who will always give back to you. Pressing down, shaking together, I hear that running over. It's not just a little bit, it's a lot. And so God wants to enlarge your heart. He's calling, he's enlarging your heart even now. I've stepped on toes and I know it when I talk about finances. Like why, Sharon, do you have to talk about finance? Why does the church have to? Because Jesus did. Jesus talks more about how we conduct our lives and our stuff and our finances more than he did about heaven and hell, right? This is an important aspect of our lives, and we need to know we're going to be held in account. Now, it says here, my last, uh, my last concept that I want to make sure you get, I will not trust in riches. This is a choice one makes. I refuse to trust in my comfort. In, in the riches you've provided for me, God. I'm, I'm saying, no, I'm not going to trust him, but I'm going to trust in him who richly provides. It's my choice. That's why I can give away. That's why I have an open hand I can give it because I know the minute I give it, God fills it up with something else. That's just the way he works. Now, I know as I was praying for this and I had that vision, yeah, of being dropped into a dark cave, right? See, God speaks. 
He speaks all the time. He's speaking to you now. And so Holy Spirit opened their ears to hear this. Will you hear what the Spirit of God was saying to you today? Right? You are children of the God Most High. You are so very loved. Oh my goodness. He loved you so much that God sent his only begotten son for you. You matter to him. You matter. You matter. And because of that, and that generosity by which he gives to us, our response is to be grateful, to say, yes, God, I want this thing. I want to walk your way. I'm going to let you transform my mind because I know it doesn't go in the direction it needs to. You see, it's about a choice. Again, the cave. The light that illuminates is the word of God. Follow it. It just stays right in front of you the whole time, and it will lead you to freedom. I promise you that. Bow your heads with me. Yeah. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you've been present in this room. Father God, I do believe it's, it was your idea from the beginning that you brought everybody here, Father, that you even had people tuning in today to uh, the online message. God, God had you. He knew you were going to do this. And for some of you, I've annoyed you because I talked about finances and resources and stuff, and I stepped all over your feet. I'm sorry. I have to do what Father tells me. Here you go. He brought you here, though, because you matter. And you see, some of you are far from the Lord. And Father's calling you home. And so for those that, that feel like I've never really given my life to Christ, I really don't know him. I know about him, but I don't know him in my heart. He doesn't really lead me. I'm going to give you an opportunity, a moment, to shoot your hand up and tell me that you'll pray with me. I do this. I do this every service. Why? Because it's part of our mission. We're about seeking and, and, and helping people find and get connected back in to a personal relationship with Jesus. That's why we exist. It's to help you guys. Right? And so I want, I want you to hear this loudly and very clearly. God loves you. He's got a place for you at the table. He's inviting you to come home to be a part of what he's doing. Yeah. And so the enemy would lie to you and say that you can't go there because you've had too many mistakes. You've done too many things. That's not true. You see, we didn't earn a place at the table. God in his love set it out for you to come and to be part of his family. But you do have to recognize that your name is there. You do have to step across the line to accept it. So for those in the auditorium, I'm going to ask you in a moment, shoot up your hand to let me know who I'm praying with. Those are online. There's a little button that's going to pop up. It said, I gave my life to Christ. I prayed with you. I raised my hand. I don't want you to hit that. Now, I tell you all this, not because I really need it. Yeah, I see that. Because the Holy Spirit is moving. And, and when we do things like raise our hand, what happens is pushes back in the spiritual realm. I've already seen the hands start to go up over here. Yep, you can just shoot it up because you're talking to God more than you. You're not talking to me. But I think it's an act of grace, right? Yep, I see it. You can just put your hands now. Yep. Holy Spirit's really moving over in this section of the auditorium pretty powerfully today. So, yep, I see that. You can put your hand down. I see you. Here you go. Yep. Here's my thought. If I notice that the Holy Spirit's moving on this side over here in intense then if you're on this side, my left side, your right side, <laughs> here's the thing. Be talking to the Father. Be talking to him. So those of you that just shot up your hands and those that hit that button, right now, right where you're at, you're just going to say with me, I'm going to lead you in a prayer, simple, but it makes all the difference. Just say, Father God, go ahead, Father God, I don't understand everything, but I know you're calling to me. I accept that you have prepared a place for me. I accept your son, Jesus Christ, that he died for my sins. I accept that he is the leader of my life. Help me. Help me to understand how to walk in that. I give you my life today. Now I'm going to pray for you guys that are praying that. Holy Spirit, I ask that you continue to move.
that you would seal that, write their name in the book of life. I thank you, Father, for their decision to follow after you. But Lord, let me also say, you asked me, you asked me to talk to the people about the way they're thinking and to line it up with yours. And so Holy Spirit, I did what I could. Would you now take over and would you now move upon your people that they would begin to realize that they are children of the God most high, that they are highly favored? Would you bind all the fears that people feel? Father God, would you invade their space when they look at their grocery bill? Would you invade their space when they wonder how they're going to put gas in their car? And would you acknowledge that they can take a vacation because you want them to, that you gave that to them, but that they should always have the tension of being a giver. And so, Father, help them to be generous even more so. And then, Father, repay them for their generosity, for that is the way you work. So, Holy Spirit, I thank you that your presence is here. I thank you for the work that you're going to do. I thank you that you are strengthening this church, Lord God, that is by its people, Father, that will draw all, all men onto themselves, Father, all onto you, Lord God, that it is by your word that we can follow you and see freedom, find freedom, Lord God. Yes, I thank you, Father, for your merciful and your kind. I thank you, Lord, for opening the ears of those who had ears to hear what your spirit was saying this morning. And I love you so very much. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.